0: The following audio is by Crossfield Baptist Church. More information about Crossfield Baptist Church is available online at www.crossfieldbaptist.com. Uh, we're going to start a series that I really believe God wants us to think about at this time in our life as a church. And so I want to ask you to consider that this is what God wants us to hear. We're going to start a series, actually continue one. We, we went through these um, one another's or some of them. Another time, and we're going to pick up that theme again um, as a church family. So, let me begin by saying this. This is why Jesus came into the world. Jesus came into the world to claim and to create a people for himself that would reflect God out to the world. And so, he would call us out of the world and he would forgive our sins and wash us clean and he would put the Spirit of God into us and he would make us transformed, different people, a new creation, a mark of heaven to come. So he's building that people now. These people would be inhabited by the Spirit of God. Just think about that. They would be people who could walk and talk with God, the creator of the universe, and begin more and more to reflect who he is like to the world. And the thing, the one thing that would make these people stand out to the world so that they would believe that God sent his son into the world, the one thing would be what? Love. They would love one another. This would be the distinctive marking of these people. Uh, they would be marked out by the way they chose to treat each other. In fact, Jesus promised that when the world saw that, they would know that God had sent His Son into the world. In the Bible, um, the Apostle Paul, he uses a Greek word, alelon, which is translated one another, and he uses this word over and over to tell people how they are to treat one another. This uh, expression comes up positively 44 times, and Paul uses it 40 of those 44 times. And um, so I want to read, there's 23 different ones quoted 40 times by Paul, um, and I want you to listen to this and tell me if this would not create a beautiful environment. You know, whether it's things practiced in your family, or with your husband or wife, or things practiced in the church. Just listen to what uh, Paul talks about these one another. Cutting out again? Okay. Uh, So he says this. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Wait for one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Love one another. Bear with one another. Carry the burdens of one another. Edify or build one another up. Be kind to one another. Accept one another. Submit to one another. Instruct one another. Esteem one another. Greet one another. Encourage one another. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Fellowship with one another. Admonish one another. Those are those positive one another's in the Bible. And these behaviors are a choice. They're not just something that happens automatically. They are marks of people who are living the divine life. These are the marks of people who are living in the power of the Holy Spirit, the new life that God has put into them. Cutting in and out. I thought it was, yeah. All right. All right. I'll use this one here. That means I can't dance. Get... All right, have we got this one here? Is that on? All right. Good. I see everybody relaxing now. Except the microphone is sliding down. All right. I'll just go like this. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the end. Here's the in- <laughs> and maybe slide it back a bit if you possibly can. I'm going to move over there, Kevin. That one we, we can trust. Okay. All right. Okay, now here's an interesting thing that the Bible uses all alone" one another. It uses it to describe the carnal and unspiritual life as well. And so Paul, for example, he says to the Corinthian church, he says, are you not acting like mere men? In other words, you're acting like people who do not have the spirit of God in them. And I want uh, what to, does, what does this carnal life look like? I, I mean, how are they described with these one another's. What does it look like? Let me read to you the carnal life. Judging one another, biting one another, having contempt for one another, devouring one another, destroying one another, provoking one another, envying one another, lying to one another, hating one another, slandering one another, grumbling against one another. Those are all the one another's that describe mere men and women, not filled with the Spirit of God, not living in the power of God, not showing to the world what heaven is going to be like, these one another's. Now, the church that practices the, you know, the positive one another's, That's a church that is spiritual. That is a church that is full of God. And that is a body of people that will be empowered by God and they'll be filled with joy and they will be fruitful. That's the kind of church body you want to be with. Those are the people you look forward to hanging out with. You have delight in meeting And a church filled with the negative one another's is going to be filled with discord and unhappiness. The atmosphere is going to be oppressive and sad. Now, through these one another's, God says, don't live like mere men and women. Don't live like people who do not have the spirit of God. Live spirit-empowered, beautiful, attractive lives. It's not okay. These other things, these negatives, it's not okay. It's not normal in the church to hate one another, to judge one another, to be grumbling against one another, to criticize one another. That is not normal. That should never, ever, ever be accepted as normal or okay. It's not right. It's not good. It's not God. It's just you. That's all it is. Just you. So, today we want to look at some of these. We want to look at you are members of one another. And Paul states this in Romans 12, verses 4 to 5. Let me read this to you. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And, you know, Paul is making a statement of fact. He's not saying, now, this is the ideal. This is what's possible. This is potentially true. He's saying this is a fact. This, you are one body. You are members of one another. So he's saying that to us as a church family. Whether you want to be or not, you are all joined together together as a body, not simply by a common cause, not simply by a shared ideology. You're one body through Christ's work because he has put his spirit in each and every one of you, and that makes you one, organically. Whether you like it or not, you look around, and you're seeing a body that you are part of. And everybody else looking at you is seeing a part of the body that shares life with them. And so Paul goes on to describe how the Spirit of God empowers each person uniquely in this body to provide benefit to the whole body. This is what he's talking about here. He's saying not only are you all one body, but together you make this one unit, this one thing. And when the whole body is functioning together, It can make an eternal difference. And he goes on to talk about some parts of the body. You know, they have a gift with prophecy. They can speak forth the words of God. Some are teachers. They can fill up knowledge of God in people's minds within the church. Some are given to be leaders in the church. Some are given to be serving. Some are given to be encouraging. Some are have an ability to give generously. There's all kinds of different parts in the body. And when they function together, they can can make an eternal impact. So that's what he's talking about there. And, you know, I was thinking about uh, a personal experience of this, and I've shared with you before some of this. I want to do it again, but it's a good picture of what Paul is talking about here. When Elsie and I moved to Surrey and started in a church there, uh, we'd heard about this Alpha program, you know, this Alpha program that uh, brought the gospel to people around a shared meal, and you met 14 times together. And uh, we'd never done it, but we planned it, and we... We asked people to come and to, to help us, to join it. And so Don and Shirley, they were good with cooking. I didn't want to do any cooking whatsoever. They, they headed up all the meals, nice, big meals every time and they got a crew around them. Kevin and me and two other people, we would lead the discussion groups. And Michelle, she said, well, we should allow parents with small children to come, so I will do something for children. And she made up this curriculum for children going through the Ten Commandments. And uh, so people with children came. Others, They volunteered to set things up, set tables, put chairs, tables up, and things like that. Others were the ones who invited friends to come. Other people contributed money and food and things like that. And so we were a bunch of ordinary people. We were working as one body. And then we began to wonder, well, is is anybody going to come? We start with this introduction dinner, you know, and we say it's going to be a 20-minute presentation to talk about this program called Alpha, and then we hope that they'll sign up. But would anyone even come to the introduction? And then if they came, would any of them come back? I mean, how would they feel about this thing that's, you know, pretty explicitly, this is going to tell you what Christian faith is about, this is what Jesus is all about. we will take you through 14 weeks, and you can figure that out. How many would want to come back for that? And then, um, would anyone who came ever come to believe in Jesus? And the answer was that over 40 people came to this. And of the over 40 people who came, 37 signed up and came back. And I'm pretty sure every one of those finished the program. And then at the end of it, six people professed their faith in Jesus Um, through baptism. So that was our answer, that as we work together as one body and people do different parts, God took ordinary people and did something great because we were members of one another. We were one body together. We shared a life together. And I want to tell you uh, the story or remind some of you the story about a guy named Dave uh, Dave, he arrived to the first Alpha. I hardly noticed him, you know. He kind of snuck in the back door, and he kind of slid along the wall, almost like he didn't want to be noticed, you know. And then he sat down at a table, and and uh, as I saw him leave, as soon as it was over, I thought, oh, I wonder if that guy, you know, whatever his name is, <laughs> I wonder if he'll come back. But he did come back. And um, the whole time he was there, he was just very quiet. He was a tall, slender guy in his 50s, just very quiet. But I noticed that he was a guy who was listening. He was really listening. And I could tell he had an appetite. He wanted to know. He wanted to understand. And then about seven or so weeks in, he stopped by my office once, and he told me his story. He told me what brought him to our Alpha program. Uh, Dave had a gravel truck business, and it was going really well until it didn't, and it began to unravel, and he was living under terrible stress as he began to lose money and creeping closer and closer to bankruptcy, and eventually he did hit bankruptcy, and it just brought him right to his knees. That's a good place to be, and he needed some kind of hope, and it just so happened that our church was going to start an alpha program at that time that we had never done before and didn't know if it would work or anything like that. And I don't know how he heard about it because we really didn't advertise it except through people talking to friends. I don't know how he ever heard about our alpha, but he came. And so God had prepared him at the same time he was preparing our body to do something we'd never done before, but we all chipped in and we did that, and Dave was one of the first people who came to faith and was baptized as a believer in Jesus. And after that, he started coming to church every Sunday, and pretty soon he was dragging his wife and his kids into church. Um, and I wanna ask you if you remember where Dave is today. You remember where Dave is today? About seven years after he came to faith in Jesus, Dave got this form of cancer that was really aggressive, and uh, Dave passed away. So today, Dave is more alive than he's ever been because he came to faith through a church body that was acting as one. That's a wonderful thing to know. If that's the only thing I was ever part of in this life, it would make my life worth it for eternity. Dave, who would get terminal cancer, got eternal hope before he died. And God is saying to us, you are members of one another. You are, you're one body, you've got many parts, and when you all function together harmoniously, God's grace and God's power and God's joy is going to be in you. Now, we're going to be reading some verses out of 1 Corinthians, and, and Paul is writing to a very dysfunctional church they're practicing all the wrong one another's they're grumbling against one another they're very factioned you know some are going well I don't like Paul I like Peter and all these things I I'm backing my backing is behind Paul there you know he's the apostle and they're they're really not kind to one another and he's reminding them guys you might be different you might do different things but you're one you're members Of one another and he makes a special effort to try to spell out you've got to think of yourselves as one body think of yourselves as one body because in that church there were those who felt that they were very spiritual because they had a particular ability Um, and other people didn't really count because they they didn't have that ability to speak in tongues And Paul is rebuking that because it's tearing churches apart. Some people are going, oh, they're right. You know, I can't speak in tongues. I must be almost nothing. I don't really count in this church. And other people are going, yeah, you're right. You don't really count in this church, you know. We're the it factor, not you. And so Paul is writing to them. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 to 22, he starts this way. Even so... The body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so first, he goes on from here to address those who feel like they are outsiders. They feel like they're disconnected. And he says in verse 15, Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And so in other words, he's saying some people, they envied what others had or what others were, the roles that they played. They envied them. They wanted them. They didn't have them. They didn't feel they mattered. And Paul said, no, that, that's not how a body works. Not everybody can be a head. Not everybody can be a hand. A body can't work that way. It needs all the parts. And then he goes on in verse 16 and he says this, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye... I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. He's saying, listen, this is a fact whether you like it or not. You're part of a body. You are part of a body. Right now, you are part of a body. And then he goes on in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And so he gives this ridiculous image, if you picture it, of this body that is all eye It's like that cartoon, I forget what, you know, it's all I with two little feet on the bottom and a big mouth in the middle. Like that, he says, imagine that, that's ridiculous. Not everybody can be the same thing. If we were all exactly the same, then important parts would be missing. And then he concludes, in verse 18, he says, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And so he's saying, listen, it's God who puts people in the body, and it's God who made each person unique to do different things. It's exactly what he wants, this body here. It's exactly what he wants. And then Paul goes on to address those people who feel like they are the insiders. These are the ones who feel real ownership. This is me. This is us. This is ours. We are the ones. He goes on to address them. 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And so they're saying something like this. You know, if you're not what I am, then we don't need you. Their behavior, at least, was saying that. If you're not in line with me, you're not valuable. You're not important. We don't need you. And his point is that all the Christians are one, they're members of one another. So he concludes in verse 26, he says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored. Every part rejoices with it. In other words, he's saying, listen, you cannot attack a part of the body without harming the whole. It would be like you going, oh, I have the ugliest feet and I'll just cut them off. I mean, it's deeply going to affect the rest of you. That's what he's saying. So I want to draw three attitudes out of this, three attitudes that we have to have. first one is this. We have to have the attitude, I belong to this body, and I am a needed part of it. I belong to this body right here, and I'm a needed part of it. So none of us can say, listen, I'm not important to this church. None of us, get this, none of us can draw back. None of us can not participate. None of us can stay aloof. None of us can be indifferent because we're part of a body. Being neutral isn't being helpful. We contribute or we don't. We can't draw back without hurting the body and even ourselves. And so no one can say, I'm not going to get involved. You know, I don't want to participate. That's what he's saying here. You can't say that. We're all members of one another. What you do or what you don't do affects others. And so you have a God-given gift, you have a place, you have a part to play in the body. So that's the first thing he's talking about there. The only thing is, are you a functioning part? Are you a contributing part? Are you a cooperating part of the body? And so what God is saying is this. He wants to invite us to say, I belong to this body, and I will do my part. I am going to be a healthy part. You know, I'm not responsible for what anyone else does, but I am responsible for what I do for this body. I'm going to be a healthy part. And then the second thing, the second attitude that we should have is the attitude, you belong to this body, and you are needed. That's the attitude I have to have towards others. None of us can say, we don't need you. We don't need you contributing. We don't, you know, you're just ugly feet. And uh, you're not what we want. Rather, we need to treasure each part. Here's a third attitude. We need to have this attitude, I am going to be harmful to the body in God's use of it if I diss others. If I put others down. If we tear others up. And God is saying this, don't you realize you can't bite and devour, and gossip, and grumble without harming the body and yourself. You can't. It'll harm everybody. Now, I was thinking about this, and a verse just exploded into my mind. How, how seriously does God take this in the church, that we are... One, that we're not divided, that we're not practicing the negative one another's, but that we are practicing all these positive one another's. Like, how seriously does God take that? And writing to Titus, Paul says this. Warn a divisive person once, then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. That's how much I care about unity, oneness in the body. Cut off a limb if you have to save the body. If somebody is practicing the negative one others, cut them off. Warn them once, warn them twice, then cut them off. Do you know how many times I have seen that practiced? In my 62 years of living, never. Never. Have you? Have you seen it? It's because we don't value the body the way God does. Warn a divisive person once, warn him a second time, after that, have nothing to do with him. That's how much the unity of the body is important important. I want people to walk into my body with joy. I want people to feel refreshed. I want people to feel alive. I want the world to know that I sent my son, and I am jealous for that. Jealous for it. We are members of one another. Let's remember that. We're going to close with a prayer. We're going to take up an offering. But uh, ushers, before we take up that offering, uh, Amy's going to come up. Uh, Maybe you should use this mic, Amy. She's going to introduce a video that we'll play during the offering. But let's close with a prayer. And then Amy and the offering. Our Father, we thank you so much for your word We thank you for this picture of these positive one-anothers. Love one another. Pray for one another. Be kind to one another. Build one another up. Pray for one another. Fellowship with one another. Greet one another. Father, we want the power of the Spirit of God to be among us. We want to be members of one another in the way you design. Please pour your power upon us. My Father, we know that you are calling us to choose this, to choose to behave like this toward one another. Father, we ask genuinely, sincerely, that you help each of us to live in the power of the Spirit, to live as new creatures in Christ. And we pay we be more and more that kind of body that is alive in this world where the Spirit of God is active and powerful, where your presence is palpable, felt, enjoyed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio by Crossfield Baptist Church. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. More information about Crossfield Baptist Church is available online at www.crossfieldbaptist.com.